It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show here on Inspired Choices Network. Today, we are talking about your time is not for sale. So this show is really all in honor of value-based pricing. Now, if you're running a business and you're selling your time, listen carefully to today's show, because what we're talking about is how you move away from time-based selling. I mean, time-based selling inherently, you only have so many hours in the day. And so if you are selling based on time and you think of this on either whether you're with just yourself in a company or you're in a small size company or mid size or even a large size company, if you're selling based on your time, you are at a cap because you can only look at whatever your hourly rate is times however many hours you're willing to work. And that is what you can create. But in value based selling, you really aren't putting a cap on that. The cap is driven by the market. And so what we're going to talk about today is, is the, really what is it? So we're going to dive deeper into what value-based selling is. And then we're going to talk about why it might be something to consider in a move with your company. And then we're going to talk about how you do it. So, so should I do it? And then why would I want to do it? And then how do I do it? That is what we're going to talk about today on the Kathleen Reeson Show. So I'm so glad you joined us. We come here every single week the way i pick show topics is they're things that i'm an executive advisor so I, I work on a lot of strategy strategic consulting with my clients and this is something that's come up a lot and especially in the professional services segment where i spend a lot of my time we're talking about how do i adequately price in a way that's going to be reflective to the services that we're offering but that it also honors the work that we're doing and the value we're giving to our clients and one of the businesses that I've run, so myself, I've run seven different businesses over the course of my career. And one of them is, was an advertising agency. It's one of my favorite. It's like asking you to pick your favorite kid. But I really, I really loved this one because it's, it was such a simplistic business model. And I think that really demonstrates what we're talking about today. So when we think about time-based selling, you say, okay, well, I know that let's just, Let's just use an employee, for example, if you have an employee. So if you know that employee is making, for sake of math, $50,000 a year. Well, you can, you can calculate if that employee is a full-time employee, let's say they're working 40 hours a week, you can actually calculate 50,000 divided by the 40 hours a week times however many weeks they're working. So let's say it's 52 and you can get down to their hourly rate. Once you know that hourly rate, what you're generally going to do in a, in a time-based pricing model is you're going to add some kind of overhead factor. And that covers if you have an office, uh, your internet, your email distribution system, your cost to go to market. So you know, your marketing, your development, your business development costs. It's going to cover your overhead because perhaps you're managing that person. And so a portion of your salary gets allocated to their overhead cost. So generally what i see is some kind of cost plus so it means whatever that employee is costing you plus an overhead rate and generally that overhead rate could be anywhere between 20 percent to 200 percent, depending on the size of your organization and the role that that employee is playing so the lower role that they're playing like a coordinator level you're going to have less of an overhead attached to that 
But as the employee gains their skills and what they can create for the company, you're going to create a higher level of overhead on it. So your managers, your supervisors, your you're really bigger leaders in the company, you're gonna have a higher overhead rate. So their overhead rate might be closer to 200%. And in that case, your cost plus 200%, that's what you would then bill a client. So if you're in an hourly rate and somebody puts six hours worth of work, let's just say they're billed at $100 an hour, you're gonna charge the client $600. This is typically what's also used for a law firm. So. For example, you reach out to your lawyer, your lawyer types an email back, it takes them 15 minutes to craft the email and hit send, you're billed for one quarter of an hour at their hourly rate, which is calculated on this model that we just described. For a lawyer who is more advanced in their career, they're gonna have that higher overhead rate. So you're gonna get somewhere into that $300 to $600 range. But if you have their coordinator, you maybe have a $100. Same thing that we do in the advertising agency world, but you look at a lot of professional service models and this is how they bill. And while that sounds really nice, there's very little predictability in it. So if you're leading a company like this, your billable hours are really important to you. You wanna know how many hours your employees are working. And when you're looking at capacity, you're gonna say, well, I have an employee, but they're only billing at 50% of the hours possible, that might lead you to think I have 50% left available to utilize this employee. But the reality is that employee, well, they're probably going to go to the bathroom at some point. And you're not going to be able to bill anybody for that. And they're going to want to eat their lunch and you're not going to be able to bill anybody for that unless they're working over their lunch. Uh, you've got checking emails or office meetings. Those can't be billed to a client. So the reality is you're not going to have an employee that's 100% billable. Most of the time, a really well-utilized employee is somewhere between about 80 and 90% billable. That's, that's a high billable employee. If you've got employees that are at a 30, 40, 50% billable, you're really low. You've got a lot of open capacity. And then you say, well, what's, what is this really about? Because it doesn't mean that they're not working and that they're not they're not working really hard, it's that there could be an inefficiency in there. And so when you look at hours, it actually, this, this pricing model, if you look at the, the hour base, just the overhead cost plus either time and materials, all those things are used to describe that pricing model. The challenges with it is it can hide a lot of inefficiencies within your organization. Because if I've got an employee who's not performing as well. It's taking them longer to do projects. It's actually incentivizing higher billables. So my clients may not necessarily be happy with it, but they don't really know the difference because a client wants a result. And when you say, well, I'm going to charge you uh, six hours to create this result. Well, if they care about the result, it's not about the six hours. So what I'm saying is that we get to move to more of a value-based structure and we get to align our pricing with creating results. Now, sometimes we can be hesitant to do this because it puts us as owners of companies, as leaders in the company on the line. If we do not create those results within that time period, who loses? Like we do. So this drives at creating efficiencies. Now, I'm going to give you an example. I was watching... Virgin River. I don't know if any of you guys have watched that. It's a series on Netflix. My husband jokes that there's a whole bunch of shows that are just the same. They just have different actors, but the storylines are the same. 
but it's something that I really, I just enjoy from time to time watching series like these. So I'm watching Virgin River. And last night I heard this line, this, this guy, one guy wants to make a lot of money and he goes to the kind of shady guy in town and he walks up to him and he goes, I want to make money. And the shady guy in town says, well, here's how I do it. And he used an example for drugs and he said for fentanyl. So he's a, he's a drug dealer. And he says, I produce the fentanyl for a thousand dollars, but then I go sell it for $300,000. Think about that. I make a lot of money. And so he's emphasizing what the true value-based pricing is. Now, this guy, the drug dealer, obviously he's got the risk of if he's caught, uh, what's going to happen? He's probably going to go to jail. His business is going to be shut down. Probably going to have a lot of fines. And he's got some big risk there. But he's showing the markup. Now, if he just was on a cost plus strategy, he'd say, well, it's $1,000 to produce this. And well, I want to make some money. And maybe he sells it for $2,000. Maybe he sells it for twice the price. But in a, in a value-based pricing, he's saying, what is the market-driven price? What would my consumer pay for this? Because what result do they want to create? Well, in, in the case of what the example from Virgin River, they want to, the, the customer that's buying this fentanyl, they want to create a result where you know, whatever, whatever fentanyl does to you, it makes you feel good. I, I'm not a user of that. I can't tell you exactly what it feels like, but from a results driven perspective, they're very, you gotta, you gotta understand what the value is that you're creating your client. And then what are they willing to pay for it? I was reading an article and it was talking about TVs. And if you, with value-based pricing, you gotta be really specific on your market. Because if you think about who buys a flat screen TV, you know your audience really well. And now all of a sudden you come out with a TV that's seven inches bigger than the nearest competitor. There is a value to that if your customer cares about it. Now, if your customer, if you're already talking about a huge TV, your customer really doesn't care about a seven inch difference, then no big deal. You're not gonna get, why even go after that market segment? Cause the customer doesn't matter. So when you start looking at value-based pricing, you really gotta understand your audience and know what's important to them and why that's important to them. If you're in price-based model, I mean, yes, you get to know that stuff because it's just good business, but it doesn't necessarily matter in your pricing strategy because you know you're going cost of employee plus overhead. Or like I said, it could be called times and material. So it's very important to understand what value-based pricing is and if it's something that you want to move into. Now, I saw this other example, and I'm going to pull it from an accounting firm because I thought this was a beautiful example. And they said, if you have a bookkeeping service, so any kind of routine service, and let's say you figured out, well, I've got a bookkeeper and you've got this time and materials or hourly cost scenario going on. And you say, for $1,000, I'll give you bookkeeping services each month. And you know that covers your employees. It's a, a nice service that you've got. So for $1,000, you offer this. And as part of your bookkeeping services, you offer some reports. Well, what you find out is that your employee or your, your customers, they get these reports, but they don't always understand them and they don't always know what to do with them. So you say, well, no problem. I'll create a more of an advisory service so that these reports, our customers can interpret these and then know the action steps to take based on what they're seeing. And so in this case this that I was looking at, this company, they were charging the $1,000 for the bookkeeping service. And then what they realized when they calculated the cost to offer those advisory services, it was $200. So that was what it would cost for them to give their employees time to offer these reports and then 
consult with their clients on what these reports mean and what to do with them. And so that would be a $1,200 offering. But when they talked with their clients and they got really clear on the value that it was creating with their clients, the results it was creating, what they realized was that their clients actually valued the reports, the advisory option at the same price level as the bookkeeping. So even though it only cost them $200 to put together, what they realized was their customers valued it at $1,000. So that's nice. Now, what do you charge? Do you continue to charge the 200 or do you charge an additional $1,000 for that service? If you're, on a, if you're on a time and materials pricing strategy, you're at $1,200. But if you're on a value-based pricing strategy, you're at $2,000 because that's what your clients are willing to pay. And it's what the market bears. So you don't wanna really stand alone as a value-based pricing. You wanna see what other people in the marketplace are willing to pay and are there any competitors that have similar pricing? So now you'd be at $2,000. So now this gets pretty interesting because, well, if I could sell it for $2,000, you can start to see, well, what else would my clients maybe want and what would they be willing to pay for it? So when you're in a value-based pricing model, this is the kind of questions you're asking yourself. What, do my, what does my customer want and what are they willing to pay for it? It's not about how much does it cost for me to produce it. Because what happens with this accounting firm when all of a sudden the accounting firm creates a process or a system that means that instead of $200 to produce it, they're actually able to do it for $50. Do they now decrease their offering to their customer? Do they now offer it for $50 instead of $200 because they found a smarter way to do it? Well, no, in value-based process, it says you find a smarter way, you get to create the profit from it. You get to reap the benefit of the profit. And so that is a big value of being focused on a value-based pricing system versus a time-based pricing system. Do not sell your time. That is the biggest piece that I, the biggest message that I can offer you right now, because selling your time is very limiting and it has a capacity. It has a cap, has a cap. We're gonna go on a quick break and when we get back, we've got more to talk about in this whole concept of how do you price for your services. Again, do not price on your time. Value-based pricing is a great option to consider. So we're gonna go on a quick break. You're listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspire Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspire Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. 
To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and today we've been talking all about it is not your time that is for sale and really thinking about how you get to create value-based selling, value-based pricing. Because here's the deal. If you are in time-based pricing models, you don't have predictability. You don't have predictability. And that really is hard for you and it's hard for your customer because your customer doesn't know whether they're gonna get a a $10,000 bill or a $100,000 bill or a $600 bill. They don't know. You know, of course we've scoped projects and so we know the general area that we're gonna be in and we, the goal is to have those conversations with our client because we're in relationship with them, but the clients really don't know. And sometimes I see a hybrid of this where we've got clients that are on a pricing based model that is very uh, hourly based. So that time model that we're talking about. And then I see some project based models that are value built in. So for example, I will uh, do this project for you for this amount. And that that can work. It's kind of a hybrid because you're going to build based on your pricing structure what you believe it is. So your client's going to buy a fixed price. Your client's going to know that it's X amount and they can bite off X amount. Now, are there clients out there that really like the hourly pricing structure? Sure, there absolutely are. And for me, I don't work with those kinds of clients and that's okay. For me, that's a decision that I've made. And so for your company, you get to decide what it is that you want. As I really adopted value-based pricing, I had a hybrid for a long time. And so I did still have some hourly projects, but that wasn't the, the goal. And it was just a transition. My goal is in any of my businesses that I built is always consistent retainer-based business, which means that we can cash flow based on those retainers. So we work with clients to create driven results that happen over time and it's very predictable. But I also want those opportunities to create real profit centers. And that means when I was running my agency, it was about creating strategic marketing plans. Now it's about really creating more clarity sessions or strategic planning sessions because those can be highly profitable so that's not necessarily built into your cash flow, but they're high profit centers. Plus, they're just really fun <laughs> for me. I really enjoy that. And so when you find something within your company, that's something that can be more of a you have your consistent cash flow. But then you've got these these opportunities to create consistent, like higher levels of cash of profitability. Then you you can mix those two together. And that may mean that you're doing some project based value based work. So in, a, in accounting, for example, you may have, like we use the bookkeeping example, you may have consistent bookkeeping services that all of a sudden keep you these, they give you these retainer based. So you know that this much income is gonna come in consistently each month, but you also might do tax preparation, which every time you do that has its own revenue stream. Now you don't do tax preparation every month throughout the year because of the tax season. Now I don't know any accountant that would think that they wanted to do taxes every month of the year. That's a lot of work. So they've got periods of high cash flow, but coupled with consistent income. So that's why you see a lot of accounting firms that have that blend where they've got their tax accountants, but they also have on staff just consistent bookkeeping services. For one, it really supports their clients because that's a need that their clients have 
Plus, if they're handling the bookkeeping for a client, the taxes are gonna be a lot easier. So that is a model that can really work. So you get to really look at your business and understand what's the model that can work. Back in, let's, let's pull the lens back here on advertising agencies again, because I think it's just such an interesting segment and uh, it traditionally has been this time model. There actually, there's some, I see a lot of agencies that have attempted to go into this hybrid scenario, but still they're basing it on hours. Now, no joke to you, I've got a client right now that it's a, it's a really large agency. And what I see in their business is that they are running incredibly large accounts still on the time-based model. Now they're pretty consistent. So it would appear as though it was a retainer, but every month they are truing up their retainer with hours. And what I mean by that, when I say truing up their retainer, I mean that they are saying, well, we bill on this hourly rate. Now, no joke, a rate card, okay? Have you ever heard of a rate card? A rate card is where we would say, if Kathleen works on this, we're gonna charge X amount. If another employee works on it, we're gonna charge X amount. If Kathleen does this set of skills, she's gonna charge this amount, but this set of skills, she's gonna charge this amount. The, the challenge with that is that if I'm not playing to my full skill level, I'm not billing my top potential billings. You do not want me as a coordinator because I can bill at a higher rate as a strategic planner. But if I start billing as a coordinator, the challenge is that my hourly rate gets shoved way down. The goal would be to hire a coordinator. If you can't, if they're just, you're not in that position yet, or for whatever reason, the business needs aren't supporting it, then of course you're not gonna charge full rate for a coordinator type work. But the goal is that your highest paying people are, are consistently billing out at that higher rate. So when you've got a rate card with you know, tons of rates on it, it's very confusing. And now you've got your team spending a ton of time calculating hours. It's a joke in the professional services field to say, have you filled out your hours for the week? It's agonizing. But we have created this model where we believe that the hours that we're putting in is directly related to the hours that we're billing. And I'm telling you, it just doesn't have to be that way. We can still create we can still understand capacity, we can still create performance, we can still create billables without this extreme focus on how we spend every minute of our day. Now, the question that I typically have when I'm, when I'm having this conversation with executives is, but then how do I know whether somebody's working? And, and my follow-up to that is it's results-based. We get to be very clear about the results that we are producing, because when we are focused on the results that we're producing, that's what we care about. It's, it's absolutely not about the hours. When I started my agency, one of the fundamental, well, my philosophy is I just do not care how many hours someone's working because that is not relevant, especially in a creative field, but I, I could argue in, in most fields, we're not talking about a manufacturing company where you're producing a widget. Yes, there are absolutely efficiencies that you can create to drive down the cost of a widget. You could add a new machine. There's all kinds of things. We're talking about professional services and intellect, intellectual capacity. Because when you're working in a field like that, it is about creativity, which means that how I work, I've got to create the environment that is best for me. 
And as a leader in that company, we've got to know that what it takes to create the environment that's going to be conducive. Because if you don't, then your employees are going to spend longer creating the results. They'll probably get there, but it could take two times, three times, four times, five times as long as if you had the ideal environment. That's why there's so much conversation going on right now about whether people should work from home or not. And I do not believe that there is a one size fits all answer. And actually in the highly creative industries, like in advertising, it's a really, I've had lots of different opinions and it really depends on the company as to whether they get to be in person or not. One in particular that I've, I've been watching I find it fascinating because they all work together in a really cool office, highly creative. I mean, if I spent some time there, it absolutely light me up. And then, like all of us, they got impacted by COVID, and now they have their employees spread across the country. Not the world. I don't think they have anybody international. It's across the country. And what I'm finding when I'm watching this company is they really hadn't hired people around the, the country or the world prior to the pandemic. Pandemic happens, they realize, well, everybody's working from anywhere, we can spread out our wings. This is not unlike any other company. I've seen lots of companies do this. And all of a sudden their workforce pool increased dramatically so that people aren't gonna come into the office. Somebody that's living halfway across the world is not going to drive into your office in the morning. It's just not a thing because it would take them all day to get there by plane. So it's not happening. They may come in a couple days a month, maybe a quarter, but they're not coming in on a daily or a weekly basis because it's just not feasible to do that based on the current scenario. So you've got that happening, but then how do you create and, and, and really continue the culture that existed? It's gotta be reinvented. And so this is, this is a challenge. And when we think about time-based environments, they may be happier at home, they may be more flexible at home. The question is, is that environment conducive to their work? Because what we wanna do is be able to create the most amount of results in the shortest amount of time. The most amount of results in the shortest amount of time. And then when we're based on value-based pricing, if we can create them in the, the fastest time or the most efficient use of time, then our profitability increases. If we're going based on hourly time, it doesn't really matter. You know, work where you want to work, create where you want to create, but just create the results because at the end of the day, we're going to bill based on our input. Input being our hours. We're going to bill based on our input. In value-based pricing, we're billing based on our output and our output are our results. So our input is our hours, what it's taking to create it. Our output is the results we create. Time-based model, you're valuing your time based on your input, you're pricing on your input. But in value-based pricing, you are pricing based on your output. Your butt is on the line in value-based pricing. That's why a lot of people don't choose it. Because if you don't create efficiencies if, if in your company, if you don't drive those results, you're not, your client's not gonna be happy. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, your client doesn't care if you worked 3,000 hours for them. They just don't care. It does not mean anything to them. They don't care if this project that you put hundreds of hours into, it didn't work. They don't care. What they care about are the results. So attach your wagon to the results, attach your pricing to the results, and be in partnership 
with your client because that's how we that's that's the goal to be in partnership and to drive the results and in that case a value price model makes sense so we've talked about really what value-based pricing is and why you might want to do it so predictability for sure it encourages leveraging technology your clients care about the results and more than anything and here's the thing we're going to talk about right after we get back from break any value-based pricing model it requires a higher level of project management now some of you might be saying "Ooh, why would i want to step into something that requires a higher level of project management and let me be the first to tell you on this note is that a really great project manager is worth their weight in gold there are a lot of project managers in this world not all of them are great but a really great project manager understands how to grow these relationships and how to how to sell on a value-based structure really important and and all i'm really saying is that a, a really great project manager is focused on the results and so when their team excuse me when their team starts working on projects and when they're spending their time in areas that aren't going to drive the results the project manager interrupts that the project manager keeps the results that they're creating up front because guess what that's what we're getting paid for if you're in a time-based model what does your project manager care about hours because that's how they're billing but if you want to focus on results and you want to be in partnership with your client based on results then you got to be on this value-based pricing structure because the project manager is now going to be tracking towards results the conversations that your project manager is now going to have with the client is what are the results that we're creating what are the metrics that are going to give us that information and then they're constantly watching that they're in relationship with results so think about what you're valuing in your company is it hours or is it results that are being created for your client think about where you are now and think about where you want to be because this is a shift that can be made and if you're if you're out advertising that we're focusing on results for our clients then just see if your pricing structure matches that we're going to want a quick break and when we get back there's more there's always more you're listening to the kathleen recent show pushing the boundaries of leadership here on inspired choices network talk to you in just a minute are you enjoying the conversations on the kathleen recent show kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies conferences and retreats all over the world Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to The Kathleen Recent Show. Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. 
Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. So today we've been talking all about how to get away from selling your time and focusing on value, because that's ultimately why our clients hire us. If we're in the professional services field, that they really want to drive some kind of result. They come to us because they want to drive a result. Yeah, I've never had a client come to me and say, well, I really like to get a hundred hours of your time because I'd like to buy your time. But that's not why they come. They want a problem solved. And so they come to create a result to solve their problem. And so they'll use you as an advisor, as a consultant, as a coach, whatever that field is that you're in. But they say, how can I solve this challenge? How can we be in partnership to create this result? Not about the 100 hours that they want to buy. Now, some clients may come to you and say, I want to create this. How many hours will that take? And the thing is that we get to notice is that's their mindset, not ours. It's where they are. And so we get to bring them into this concept of value-based pricing. And really, it is really digging in and understanding what's the pain point. And so if you're thinking that value-based pricing is a way that you really want to move, then the first step is understanding the problem that you're solving. Now, lots of companies solve lots of different problems. Let's be honest. There's not one problem that people solve. Most really great companies can solve a lot because they've picked up a skill set to be able to offer in multiple areas. But your clients can't wrap their heads around multiple areas. Some can, but most have their problem and they want their problem solved and they want to be able to identify themselves within the, the words that you're speaking. And so the, the invitation is to get really clear on the problem that you solve for your clients. So if you're in if, if you're in the advertising agency world that we've talked about, and like the agency I used to run, what the problem that we solved was that we had small to mid-sized businesses, and it, it could have been, we weren't locked in on industry necessarily, but we were locked in on the the experience that was happening within the company. So they generally had around 50 to 100 employees. The revenue generation really varied because some could be, especially within the tech industry, what we saw was real high revenue potential, less employees because we're really driven on systems and processes. We actually had an HVAC client that their revenue per employee was not as high but their, you know, their employee count was up. So it just really depended on the offering. So that was not what was important to us. What was happening between that 50 and 100 mark in employees was that they were generally growing to a size where they really needed more, more marketing know-how. They, they needed somebody on their team that could, could be that VP of marketing or the chief marketing officer, but they weren't quite to the point where they were hiring a C-suite of people. So they didn't have that role internally. So who generally, up until this point, took on that role? It was the secretary or an admin that got handed these responsibilities, and they realized that they really weren't supporting their sales team enough, and they didn't look as professional as they wanted to be, and they got to upgrade in this area. And so it was a real niche to tuck into and say, we can be that outsourced marketing department and we have higher level skills to be able to drive strategy and sit in these conversations, just like a, a marketing director would, but you don't have to put that full time on your staff. Now we knew what it would cost to hire that, that type of person or that department within the company. 
and we could price so that it was competitive where they're not ready to do that. But if you could price it maybe 50% of what that would be, that's a deal. That's, that's actually a steal for them because they can get that knowledge and that know-how, but they don't have to create space in their company for it as far as physical space. And they still have those resources available to them. So it was a real value point. So that, I just saw a company, actually a friend of mine who, who had a, a nice company and broke off of it to become a fractional CFO. And the nice idea there is that, same thing, this person, he can offer these services to people that maybe are starting to grow, need a CFO, but aren't quite there to be able to, to really fully embrace that type of role. And so really knowing your audience, like, they don't, this, their companies, they're not hiring this person, my friend, to be a bookkeeper. They're hiring for the insight, the advisory, the partnership. And the thing about being a, a fractional employee or fractional partner with your companies, if it's just you, you're, you're locked in. Again, you can really easily get into a time model. You don't have to because then there's only so much that you can serve. So really looking at what is important, is there are there people in the company that I can upskill? You know, this is, to go back into the advertising agency that I ran, the average client was with us for about three to four years. Now I say that because typically in the advertising agency model, you have really long tenured clients, like 15, 20, 30 years. And it's really a badge of pride to say, my clients have been with me for this long. But that was not our goal because we knew our clients so well that the pace that they were growing, we fit a need that really lasted about three to four years. And if we did our job right, there would be people within that company that either currently existed when we started or that would be trained, would be hired and trained within that company to really run as their marketing department. So if we did our jobs well, we would actually work ourselves out of a job after three to four years. It's a beautiful model because we knew what we were there to do, how we were there to work, and then get out. And that was really nice. Now, people didn't hire us from the beginning to say, I want you to be with us for three to four years. It wasn't that at all. What they hired for was to solve a very specific problem. And so think about that for your company. You've got some very specific problem that your clients probably are repeatedly asking you about. And if you're in a time plus model to support that, you can only grow so much. You gotta bring on another employee to add into your revenues. And so while that's scalable, it's not as efficient as it could be. But when you really start to think about the problem that you're offering and really knowing your target audience, you can create tremendous growth for yourself and for your company. And I'll tell you what, it is a lot easier to manage a company that is very specific than it is to manage a company that's got a lot of different problems that they solve. Now, it can it can appear to you can appear to think, well, that would be boring because you're just doing the same thing over and over again. But it's not the case at all because each client is unique, each experience is unique, and so now you're saying, here is my unique area of expertise. Here's the problem that I solve. And as you gain confidence in that specific area, guess what happens? the value goes up because you can get to those results faster. And that's what your clients are paying you for. Again, they don't care that it takes 10 hours or 100 hours or 1,000 hours or 10,000 hours. They don't care because that means nothing to them. They only know their business, not your business. So how to monetize an hour to them just doesn't make sense. 
But when you can draw that connection of we're going to drive these results, this is the business that we're in to create these results. That's when they can buy in. And if you say it's going to take us this amount of time to create that, what you're really saying at that point when you're on a value-based pricing model is that over time, this is the results that we're going to create. And so it may, let's work on this for one year to drive these results or two years or whatever that looks like for you and your business model. So that's what's really important to be clear on the problem that you're solving. Now, how do you know what price to attach? Because truly, when you're talking about value-based pricing, you're talking about what the price the market will bear. So if you look around and you say, do I have competitors in the space? Now, for us, like I said, we knew that our competitors in the agency world was, well, I'm going to hire somebody. So you, we know how much it costs to hire somebody with the skill sets that we were offering. And we knew that it was very challenging to find someone that had all of those skill sets. So most likely they weren't going to find that person, but they were going to find somebody that would be close to that. And they, you know, we all knew what the price to hire that person was. Now, we all know that once you hire somebody, it's not just the cost of that person. As we pointed out earlier, when we were talking about the time plus model, you've got overhead attached to that. So we got to figure out our overhead factor. And now all of a sudden we know what our comparison set is. But maybe there's another company in town that's doing something similar to you. What pricing are they attaching to it? Because if you're the highest price bidder, that's fine. But now you're considered the premium brand. If you carry, you actually create these results. And we're just going to say that's table stakes, that what you say you do, you do. If there's a gap there, we've got a bigger conversation. And it's not the topic of today's show. Happy to talk to you. Reach out, Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. Best way to get a hold of me. But what we're talking about today is really moving into a value-based model. And when you're really focused on that, on a value-based model, then you're looking at, you want to be a premium player in the market, but you got to understand what your market is. And sometimes like the other agencies, and I'm, I'm again, I'm going to use the advertising agency that I used to run as, as a model here. The other agencies weren't our competitors because the other agencies, most they're going after a different market. They're playing a different game. So if we were to compare ourselves to them, we were going to lose. We didn't go bid. At the, I remember very specifically the local, uh, one of the big universities around where, where we lived and worked had this RFP. And I got a whole, we could have a whole show on the RFP process. They had this RFP and a lot of the agencies in town, they were, they were going after this RFP. They were all competing with each other. But this, this university was not our target audience. But I remember sitting around the table with some of my friends that ran agencies, and they were all talking about this RFP process and who was going to get it. And it would have been really easy to get caught up in that. Like, oh, that sounds fun. We should go after it too. We should see if we can get it. But uh, we would have lost because, one, it wasn't our core competency area. And so being really clear on the problem that you solve and then knowing pricing structures. So I don't really care how those other agencies price because they're not our competitors. But I want to know when somebody's making a decision, who is getting picked? If we lose, who, who won and how do they price? And what I found out in that case, and I think this happens a lot, is that the choice, sometimes when we're in competitive situations like that, the winner is nothing. And by that, I mean the, 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 the company the, the, your, your client, your potential client chooses to do nothing versus going with you. 
And so your competitor is like, is nothing, it's air. It's not, it's the no choice. And that's a tough one because now you get to say, well, there wasn't enough value created. When a client says no to you and pick somebody else, it's because there's not enough value created in what you're offering. And then you get to go back to the drawing board and say, well, what was I not specific about? Did I not go after my target audience that was the one that I wanted? Did I not, or did I not create enough value for them? Because I'm telling you what, a client is, is, is not going to choose you. So not, not choose you. That's a double negative there. But they're, they're not, a client's not going to say to you, well, we didn't choose you because guess what? You said it was going to take 120 hours and we didn't want to spend 120 hours on this. Or this client said they could do it in 60 hours and you said 120. That's not what's happening. Now, yes, does time matter in there? Sure. If you say it's going to take a year to do something and your neighbor says six months and they believe your neighbor, then they're probably going to pick your neighbor. But the reality is they're looking at what result can we drive? And your job is to create the value in the eyes of your prospect that you can do that. And the more specific you are with the problem that you can solve and with the pricing, when you say, I'm going to price this based on the value that we're creating, you attach it to the value, that's when you can really create magic with that partnership. And that's when your client can be a yes. That's when your client can be a yes. And heck, that's the goal. Okay, we're gonna go on a quick break and we will get back. We'll wrap all this up. Remember, if you're taking nothing away from the show, it's that your time is not for sale. You'll see to the Kathleen recent show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today, we're talking all about your time is not for sale. We've covered traditional time policy, how we price based on time versus really moving into a value-based pricing strategy. My goal is to open up the concept of value-based pricing strategy for you so that you understand what's possible with it and then consider if it's a fit for you. If you're looking for predictability, if you're looking on how you can increase profitability based on leveraging technology and systems, this is something to consider. Your clients are really wanting results-based solutions. They don't really care about hourly because they don't understand it. And how they calculate hourly in their own business is gonna be different than how you calculate hourly. So that's something to consider. If you are wanting to do this kind of model, if you're saying this, there's something here and it's very interesting, I encourage you to get really specific on the problems that you can solve. And yes, there's probably lots of them, 
But in the case of one you know, vertical that you want to go after, this doesn't mean that you couldn't have time in one area of your business as a way to sell, but you use value-based pricing in another. I've seen a lot of companies be very successful in hybrid models. And we talked a little bit about that earlier in the show. So think about whatever vertical you're looking at. And when I say that with your company, if you are a more expanded or complex company, you might have multiple verticals. But if you're very... Uh, straight kind of clear company with one vertical then then a pricing strategy one pricing strategy could make sense and so in that case really investigate value-based pricing being clear on the target audience and the problem that you're solving so that you can really speak their language and as you gain confidence in the results that you're creating then you can really drive that price to be reflective of the prices that they're getting at a company or a client, actually a friend, uh, it was not a client, it was a friend who was in the, the field of data analysis. And he, he was very clear that based on the information that he could gather and how he could work with his clients to decipher what this information meant, his team could actually drive about a 20% savings based on the data that was collected and the information that he was able to clear from that. So that sounds like a lot of words, but what I'm saying to you is that he knew that he, could, he had a couple different measurements when he went into a company and he did some initial data digging based on what he could find in that data digging. He knew that he could price it at whatever that was, if it's a million dollars that he could, that he was talking about that was could create savings of a million dollars, he priced it at 20% of that, so value-based. And he said, you get an 80% savings that you never would have realized and I get a 20% of that. Well, so if I said to you right now, if you could open up a million dollars in your company, if you can create a million dollars of revenue that you don't actually even have to do anything for, it's just it's just money that's already there, you're just wasting it right now. So if I could create a million dollars, you keep 800 and I keep 200,000, would you do it? So there's nothing really at risk here because right now it's just it's just going into a, a cog, it's a cost of goods sold, it's just, you're not even having it. But this guy's saying, if you hire me, it'll cost you $200,000, but you're not, it's not even actually going to impact your P&L right now. I'm going to give you $800,000 and I'm going to keep $200,000 for myself. Like that seems like a no-brainer, but he was so specific and knew his value and his company's value so well that he could sell that over and over again. It made it really easy for the clients to be a yes. But that's value-based pricing because guess what? If his company got really good at doing that, which they were, it might only take them $10,000 worth of time to get $200,000 of cash. So see that? When you're really clear about where you're headed, you can create these opportunities where clients are like, yeah, that's a no-brainer. And that's really the goal. You want them to really, the clients to think that they're getting a ton of value. So why wouldn't I do this? Why wouldn't I do this? When you, do, when you get there, that's a win. I mean, that's a win for you. That's a win for them. Where can we position it so that they're an automatic yes? And that's what we're talking about with value-based pricing. So next week, we have another great show. I really, I plan these shows, uh, oh gosh, like two months ago, based on just conversations I was having with clients. I wrote down a bunch of them. And every week, I'm like, oh, that's a great topic. I was just talking about that. And so I'm really lit up about what we get to talk about because they're they're so relevant for just life right now and work and and these conversations that I'm having. So next week we're talking about it's okay to tell your client no. Oof, it's okay to tell your client no. That can be a challenge because we want to please the client. We want the client to stay. But what the client really wants 
is they want direction and support. So it is okay to tell your client no. You don't want to be bratty about it. There are ways to do that where your client can deeply respect that no and honor that no and in really respect that you said that and want to move forward with you. So it is an absolutely okay thing to do and there's a process to follow. That's what we're talking about next week. And remember, no, this is just a note for you, no means new opportunity. So no isn't always no never, it's just not now. And that is a real key point that we'll dig into next week. So we come, I come live every single Monday with messages just like this. I work with executive advisors as a strategic consultant. That's my day job. And I bring messages like this every single Monday. So I thank you for listening to the show live. Again, if you have any topic ideas, or maybe you heard something today that you want to dig into deeper and understand how it could be applicable for you and for your business, give me, give me an email. Shoot me an email. It's Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. I'd love to hear from you and hear what you're up to and see how you can take these concepts and bring them to life with your business. Everything we talk about are things that I have walked through either through my own businesses or with other clients. And I'm happy to support you in bringing those into fruition is it's they're nice theories right they're nice theories until we actually grab onto something and actually make it happen now, i don't know about you but that lights me up when we can actually create something so today every monday that i show up i just get to be the spark the spark that ignites something in you that says that's an idea i can move whether it is really investigating value-based pricing whether it's like we're talking about next week learning how to say no we've talked about how to work with difficult people <laughs> We've talked about how to sell your ideas. We've talked about how to be more creative. So we've got a robust information for the past shows been going on for a little over two years worth of content that can be supportive to you as an executive leader within your company so that you can understand how we can push forward just some different ideas and different approaches. Business can be fun. And I, I'm really just gonna leave it at that piece. Business can be fun. And if we choose the slog or the hard, that's not fun. We don't want to do that. We want to have fun. We want to, we want to enjoy. We want to think creatively. We want to test out new things. We want to fail. I even say that we want to fail. It can be hard to fail, but we get to do it. And what doesn't work is selling your time because it doesn't give you the creativity and the space to have fun or fail. But when you become value-based, it gives you the opportunity to be wild to throw out ideas that may or may not work, to just play. Because when you're playing, that's when you, you create things that you never thought possible. And that's when your clients say, oh, that's why I work with them. They threw out this off the wall idea. I had no idea if it was gonna work, but you know what, we went for it. We went for it, we had a great time. And that is the relationship that I want with my clients. And if it's something that you want, then cool, keep listening. We are a team. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. To the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.